Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 106. We'd like to share our Sunday worship service for February 24th, 2019. The title is, It's Like the Alphabet, and it is the eighth in the series, It's Like This. Life works when the oneness in our hearts find expression in our lives. So our uh, scripture today is Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now this is a big deal. This is huge. For me personally, this is one of those pieces of scripture that just kind of pops up for me. You know, some people have favorite passages. This is one that means a lot to me. I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. The idea is, look, we're all in this together. No matter what is going on on the outside, the truth about us on the inside is the same. And if you want your life to work, find that sameness, that common ground, that thing that we all have in common. If you want your relationships, your job, your situation to work, find that common ground. And things will start to work out from that inner idea. That piece of scripture is so important that if you go to our website, I'm really proud of the website. I continue to work really hard on the website. It's one of those things. If you go to the website on the bottom, there's a link that says inclusivity. And if you click it, you'll see that piece of scripture. But you'll also see this long thing that I wrote up that basically says, we're all in this together. It basically says, anybody is allowed in. There's no secret handshakes. There's no magic passwords. Everybody gets into the treehouse. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter how much you have or don't have or any of that. It just I, I can't care about that because I care so much about you and together we care so much about this family, this home, that those outer things just aren't worth getting caught up in. We got too much to do, you know? And I think it's that same spirit in a way that caused Paul to write that in the letter to the Galatians. Basically, what he was dealing with was that the near the beginning of Christianity. You know, this is after Easter, after Jesus is not hanging out with the guys anymore, to use the theological terminology. There comes a time when people say, well, what does it mean to do this stuff? What does it mean to have a church? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to live this life? And so on. And different people felt different ways. But most of the people said, you know, it's great that Jesus wanted everybody to sort of know about this, but what if we started to have some guidelines about who we're really allowing into the country club? Very quickly. You know, Jesus is no more out of the room than people start going, you know what, let's have some guidelines. You know, maybe it's better to have certain people, you have to be Jewish first because he was Jewish first. Or you have to have been here first because he was there. You have to have these rules and you must be this tall or taller to ride the Christianity ride. You know what I mean? That kind of an idea. Very quickly, people had rules. Now, that's a problem, isn't it? It's a problem organizationally because if you want this idea to grow if Christianity is going to become more than this weird little cult that only certain people know about well my gosh you got to open the doors organizationally it's important and you know Paul's job is to kind of get the word out he's in marketing but more than that it's important theologically because theologically we have the precedent Jesus said go and change your world tell everybody no secrets open the doors in fact let's not have doors let's be out in the fields let's be anywhere that we can all gather together because church ain't a building church is us together right this is at the core if you want to live this life 
find a way to open the doors of your life, your conduct, and your heart. That's what it means. But early on, like I said, people developed barriers. It happens sometimes. Sometimes it happens when we make the transition from being inspired by love that opens up versus being driven by fear that shuts down. And I don't know about you. I've had times in my life where those were motivating factors depending on the mood I was in and what I was there to grow through. Maybe you can say the same about your life. Sometimes I was really on purpose about letting love lead the way. And sometimes I was afraid. Just like everybody. Just works that way sometimes. But you know how one feels and you know how one feels and you know how they work. We all have that desire built into us to love, to open up, to welcome, to share, to learn, right? But here's the thing about you and me, us human beings, us children of God. You and me are incredible percolators, filters. We can take whatever is going on outside of us and filter that through our perception, our experiences, where we've been, what we got going on. And you know that. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody said something and you just decided, how dare they? Find out later it had nothing to do with you. In fact, it almost always has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? Or somebody can say something that they tried to do a mean thing and you decided to be inspired by it. It's all about your filters, right? You have a choice. From the outside, you filter. From the inside, you filter. Because God has given us this desire to love and be loved, to heal and be healed, to change the world. But that can get filtered through all kinds of self-esteem stuff and childhood issues and, you know, stuff. And what you do with the love in your heart is based on the filters you have. This is a good thing. Because if your life isn't working, you can go, wait a minute, I must be percolating this weird. Maybe it's time to clean the filter. If you feel funny about something in your life, it's a great opportunity to go, wait a minute, I know that the message from the outside or from the inside is a message of love and purity. There's some, you know, something needs to be cleaned here. What do I need to look at? It's great because you have data. Go back to it and decide what needs to be cleaned out, what needs to be opened up. And so as soon as you do that, things get mm, a little bit easier. I'm not saying it's an overnight thing, but you can grow when you begin to realize that what I decide to filter is how I decide to live. Or put another way, how can I decide to open up? That's the, the goal of this whole thing. That's what was said in that piece of scripture. But more than that, that's what's being said in your life. So I'm going to put that a different way, and we'll come back to this in a minute. If I can tear down barriers between me and other people, I can tear down barriers between me and God. And in general, if I get done with being afraid, I make more room for love. That's just how it works. You are a child of infinity, but there's only so much space in your mind and in your heart. You get to decide if love or fear is the source of your uh, fuel, so to speak. What are you filling it up with? Because as sure as anything, that's what you're going to get more of on earth as it is in heaven. Your biggest idea is what you're going to experience in your life. And that's kind of important because think about your idea. When I say a word like heaven, what comes up for you besides the Belinda Carlisle song? What comes up for you? I know, that was weird. 
When I say heaven, it's a place on earth. What comes up for you? A lot of times, you, you conjure up that picture that we have seen so often in cartoons and in movies and in anything, that picture of heaven with the gates, you know, the pearly gates. You can have that picture in your mind because we have been shown that picture. Artists have created that picture over and over and over and over and over and over again of heaven as a gated community, which is weird. What neighborhood is heaven in? We've got to keep the riffraff out. There's some rough stuff going on right outside. It's an odd idea. It is not a biblical idea. Jesus never said that. The idea of heaven with big gates and St. Peter as some kind of weird bouncer. Sorry, you're not on the list. But that image is so pervasive. It's easy to conjure up even for me as somebody who didn't grow up with that theology. I still see it too. I get it. But once again, on earth as it is in heaven, if your highest idea of how it is when it works right is a gated community, well, your, your conduct here on earth isn't going to be any better than the highest of your understanding. If my idea of God is somebody you've got to know a guy to go see, then my treatment of the people in my life is not going to be open and welcoming, isn't it? Is it? So, you want a better life? Reform your God thought. Get a bigger idea of God. And you will have a bigger idea of your life. If your idea of God has to do with barriers, has to do with, with fighting, has to do with thou shalt not, you create secret handshakes and passwords. I'm going to give you a great word. This is a good, like if you're ever on double jeopardy kind of a word. It's a good 50 cent word. It's one of my favorite words. The word is shibboleth. Shibboleth. Sounds good. And you can tell right away if you have a speech impediment or not by how you say that word. Whether or not someone's been drinking, perhaps you could tell. say shibboleth, officer. But shibboleth is a Bible word. It means a secret handshake, a secret password. But it comes from the Old Testament, the 12th chapter of Judges. And in that time period, the children of Israel were fighting a lot of battles and they were traveling from land to land. It was a very Lord of the Rings kind of a situation in a lot of ways. But in this situation, there were spies from another land trying to come in. No, no, I'm just like you. I want to come in and, you know, get some recon, get some data and all that kind of stuff. But those people, the Ephraimites, the people from another land, they had a different accent. They spoke differently. And so the test word was, they would say, say shibboleth. And shibboleth just means a part of the wheat process is a bread thing. But if you said shibboleth with a different accent, we knew you're an outsider and then bad things happen. You can imagine. It's a very Cecil B. DeMille kind of a situation. You don't want to go there. Now look, it's okay that there was a time in the development of our tribe and our tradition that there was exclusion and barriers. Remember, the Bible is a story of us all growing up. It's okay that there was a time when our idea of God was thou shalt not. It's okay that there was a time when our idea of God was separate. I don't know about you, but as I grew... I had an idea of God as some kind of absentee landlord too. We grow up. But if I have an idea of God as separate, I have to develop very complicated rituals to know who's who and who's okay and who's not. Now that sounds like ancient history, but is it? A lot of people have shibboleths now. If someone comes up to you and asks you how to get to Ybor City, you know they're a tourist and you get to decide how you feel about that. You know what I mean? People have shibboleths all the time. Well, I can't date anybody who doesn't understand the films of Wes Anderson. People have shibboleths, little secret rituals. You've got to know this thing, otherwise I can't relate to you. 
when you think about it, whether somebody says Davenport or Sofa, Pop or Soda, Hoagie, Grinder, Hero, and so on. Now I'm getting hungry. You can tell something about that person, and you get to decide if that matters or not. Because there are so many people who have their whole life dictated by those walls that they put up, where I refuse to learn anything from anybody, I refuse to welcome anybody in, unless they pass my very strict set of rules about who's okay with me. And that's fine if you want, but if your whole life is dictated by your ego, you're going to learn a lot of lessons the hard way because you have a very small aperture through which good and learning and growth can come. Put another way, most of the time, and I know this because I've done a whole lot of weddings and I've done a whole lot of marriage counseling with people and I've done a whole lot of that thing, the relationships that tend to work really well are where the two people are from completely different universes. They say opposites attract, and sometimes the beauty is that we don't agree on everything. I think there was one time in like 1997, yeah, when uh, Jenny and I agreed on something. It was really, it was, (laughs) but you know exactly what I mean. Can you be the kind of person who is okay with differences? Can you be the kind of person who welcomes the stranger? Because that's a big person. And it's time to grow up. Shibboleths and secret handshakes are really great if you want to guard the treehouse. Not so good when you're grown up. It's time to grow up. It's time to open up. I was thinking about this a little bit yesterday because we had our beach cleanup. And I was, we, were, we had cleaned up all we could. And, and I can say without fear of contradiction that in that moment there was no garbage anywhere on St. Petersburg Beach. We did it. It's great. But we were sitting there talking under the canopy, and I was kind of doodling with my finger in the sand because emotionally I'm eight, and I was playing with the sand a little bit. And it made me think of the shibboleth that the early Christians had. You know the Jesus fish? We've got one on our podium. I've got one on my Jeep. You, You know it, the Jesus fish. Did you know that that was a secret password at one time? In the early days of Christianity, when there was it wasn't so hot to be a Christian, you could get in trouble, you could get thrown in jail... It would mess with your social standing, and so on. Did you know that the idea was you would walk up to a stranger, and you would, with your walking stick or with your finger in the dirt, you draw half of the fish. And if they drew the other half, you knew they were in the club. Like I said, I get it at the time. But it's funny. Jesus didn't say keep secrets. Remember, the, the whole ministry of Jesus Christ was, we got to tell everybody, guys, I'm paraphrasing, guys, we got to tell everybody about this. We got to change the world. No more secrets, no more of this, no hierarchy and secret teachings and things you got to pay a little extra to find out about it. Enough. Maybe your heart knows that same call. Enough. Enough with the barriers, enough with the secrets. But that's the difference when we respond with love. When we are love-oriented, we open up. When we are fear-oriented, we shut down. You can learn a lot about yourself by deciding, am I an opening-up kind of person or am I a shutting-down kind of person? And the good news is you can change that. We live in a situation where for some people life is like that Facebook feed where I have a very highly curated list of people who I'm allowed to hear from, who post things that I have already seen before, and we can all share the same jokes and the same picture of that cat who doesn't care for Mondays over and over again. (laughs) 
And if you pass my test, if you said exactly the thing that doesn't surprise me or doesn't challenge me, I like you. How many people live their lives that way? And it's time to come down from the treehouse. Part of the reason that Paul wrote that letter is, guys, we've got to grow this. It's time for us to change the world. And I'll put that on an individual level. If you feel resistance, frustration, if you feel like you're not in touch with your answers, your healing, your miracle, remember the way you treat other people is a metaphor for the way you're going to relate with God. If you feel closed off, frustrated, friction in your life, it's because the universe, God, life itself is trying to open you up. And it might just be that there's a part of you that's trying to keep it shut down. One way or the other, easy way or hard way, you will open up. You'll open up because it's just no fun to be that way. You'll open up because you know what happens in a closed system. When an ecosystem doesn't get life in it, ooh, when there's no biodiversity, bad things happen. You know what happens when a culture is just completely isolated from the rest of the world. You went to high school. You know what happens. Bad stuff. Weird stuff, biologically speaking. Challenging stuff. You can go there if you want. And my goodness, there are lots of churches that say, oh, well, you know, uh, we're all one in Christ Jesus, but really, I, I mean the people that are like me. Oh, you know, we're all one, but really, you know, maybe we should have some tests. And those churches in the 21st century are dying. And there's a whole lot of other churches that go, well, you know what, everybody's allowed in, and when people want to know what we believe and what we say, uh, you know, we won't tell them. Because <laughs> just anything goes, and we'll just do anything. Well, there's no sharing there either. And if there's no sharing, there's no life. It is time to stop being a silo of information, a silo of love, a, a walled garden, if you want to mix your metaphors, and it's time to open up. Like I said, it can happen easy way or hard way. It can happen because, oh, something's dying in me. Or it can happen because of inspiration. A long time ago, before even America Online, there was this idea that different cultures would evolve with different languages and different ways of writing and different crops and different, different ideas about God and different things. And all of those differences were wonderful, but because there was so much isolation, a community that lived over in one place would start to stagnate because they didn't have something that was just right over in another place. And in this time period, this one group of people called the Phoenicians, you know that name, the Phoenicians from Phonics? The Phoenicians who traded with all of these different groups said, wait a minute, this group could use something that this group makes. And in fact, they have something that could keep each other alive. And we might make a couple of bucks in the process. Whatever the motivation is, the product is the same. The Phoenicians invented a common set of building blocks, and we call them the alphabet, that you can use to make just about any language. And because there's this ability to communicate, there's an ability to share. Remember how easy it was to learn your ABCs? Think the Phoenicians. Now, here's the thing. Just about every story I tell is a story about you. You are the star of every story that I tell. I'm suggesting that there is some part of you that can benefit from sharing. I'm suggesting that there's some part of you that doesn't need to be safe anymore. 
Sometimes people respond with the fear and response and they just decide to be afraid so much so that all I want is safety. All I want is to get into a place where I understand and there's no surprises and no challenges and nobody different. I want to be safe. What if I told you that safety was not your job? Your job is adventure. Safety is God's job. Or, to put that another way, you want safety? People in prison are safe. There's big walls. They know when the next meal's happening. But nobody in prison wants to be in prison. Maybe safety is overrated. Maybe you were built for adventure. Maybe you were built for exploration. Maybe you were built to go and do a thing, even if it's scary, because if God is on your side, who cares? What do you have to be afraid of, really? Maybe you're here for something bigger. And so just like the Phoenicians, maybe it's time to find some common ground with the people around you. Look, I'm a parent, and I think that part of the parent thing is I am here to provide you building blocks, the ABCs of your life. But what you do with those building blocks, I can't get involved with that. Just like you can take those same ABCs and write something in English or in French or in Spanish or in whatever, give people your building blocks, but be okay with whatever they do with them. As I raise my kids, I can get upset that they're going to implement my building blocks differently, and I can fight with them and rail against that, and maybe they'll visit at Christmas. Or I can have it be okay with me that they do things differently. If you want a life that works, find the building blocks. If you want a life that works, be like the Phoenicians. If you want a life that works, get hooked on phonics. Get hooked on phonics. Get so excited about the idea that, you know what, there is common ground here. Man, that thing you did was a million miles away from anything that I would ever do. But at the end of the day, the thing that excites me is the fact that we started with the same ABCs. You can get caught up in the differences or you can celebrate them. At the end of the day, be the kind of person who's hooked on finding what we have in common, who's hooked on finding, you know what, we start from the same place, our hearts are in the same place, we are made out of the same stuff. Decide to be excited about the building blocks. Decide to be excited about the common ground. Paul said we are one in Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting that he switched the names around? He wasn't reading from the phone book. Smith, John, Brown, Jerry, Christ, Jesus. You know that's not why they, he did that. You know that Christ isn't Jesus' last name. Christ represents that divine spark, that potential, that image and likenessness of all of us. Paul says, Christ in you, your hope of glory. That our Father idea, that universal, they who have seen me have seen the Father moment, that your divine nature is the Christ in you. Christ is not Jesus' last name. The word Christ represents that divine spark that we all share. Jesus represents the man in history who is our way shower, our master teacher, our elder brother, because we believe that he exemplifies what it's like to live that way. But remember what he said, the works I do you shall do also. So, if Jesus represents the individuality and Christ represents the potentiality, when Paul puts him in the other order, he doesn't say you're one in Jesus Christ, the guy, no matter how wonderful. 
He says you're one in Christ Jesus. In other words, your oneness comes from your divine potential, the Christ. How you live that out, maybe not so important. Where do you look when you look at the people in your life? Can you be the kind of person who sees in terms of divine potential instead of in whatever they did with it? You get to decide how you judge other people. You get to decide how you judge yourself. But if you get excited about common ground, you learn to trust other people, you will build some momentum to the point where you can begin to trust yourself. Look at your life. I don't know about you, but I've got stuff that I did that I'm not so proud of, not so excited about talking about. I'm growing. I'm a human being. I'm a very human human being. I bet you are too. And you can decide to beat yourself up. You can decide that I can't sleep at night because of that thing I said in fifth grade. Okay, if you want. I mean, late night television's great. Or you can let that go. Let us get to the place where we learn how to trust other people so much that we take what we got from that and we learn how to trust ourselves and go, look, yeah, I messed up, but I was just trying to use those same building blocks. Everybody wants love. Everybody wants happiness. Everybody wants to learn and grow. Everybody wants to open up. The way I did it, not so smart. I'm smarter now. Do it different. Or as Jesus said, go and sin no more, which is the same thing. Come here, you. Do it different. That's all. Do it different. Use the momentum of trusting others to trust yourself and use that momentum to get to the place where you can trust God. Become the kind of person that looks for common ground with God. If you find yourself in trouble, ask yourself this question. I know it sounds weird, but stick with me. If you find yourself in trouble, ask yourself this question. What do me and God have in common? Now stick with me. It's not an egotistical thing. Remember, you're made in the image and after the likeness, aren't you? You've got love in your heart. God is the author of love. You've got more in common than you think. What do me and God have in common in this situation? God wants me to grow. Start there. You can start with the things that don't feel so hot. You can start with, well, I don't like my job. It makes me feel weird. I don't like my relationship. I don't like what I see in the mirror. I don't like this and that and the other. How's that working for you? What do you and God have in common? And maybe at the beginning it's a short list, but start where you start. Start with the love in your heart, your desire for absolute revolution in your life. And let that open you up. Or to put that another way, if you feel like you're in trouble, here's your mantra, your affirmation, your thing to say. You ready? God is okay. (laughs) I mean, think about it. It's not as simple-minded as it sounds. God's okay. Yeah, you know what? I'm not sure about this whole finance thing. I'm not sure about this whole romance thing. I'm not sure about this whole life thing. Okay, I have an issue. I'm working on some stuff. But God's good. God's got this handled. There's another good affirmation. God's got this. If it's okay in God, then maybe the problem is not an ultimate problem. Maybe it's something that's not so big. If I realize that the ground of my universe is, it's okay. On earth as it is in heaven. If I can start with that common ground between me and the solution, uh, the details will work themselves out. God's got this. And you know what? When I let go of all my ego stuff and all of my judgment and all of my fear, I realize that God's got me. God's got this. God's got me. 
So, look, you can be afraid if you want. How's that working for you? But at the end of the day, each and every person, easy way or hard way, at the end of the day, each and every person, no matter where they've been, comes to this place where they realize that my God is the God of sunrise and the God of falling in love. My God is the God of the thunderstorm. My God is the God who built the universe and builds my heart every moment. Who shall I fear? Too big. Who shall I fear? Find common ground. And you become unbreakable. Because there is an unbreakable place in your heart. Think like a Phoenician. <laughs> Decide that trade is a good thing. Commerce, or as I would rather call it, sharing. Decide that sharing is a good thing. That you and me have something to learn from each other. In fact, we can keep each other alive. Sharing. Common ground, those building blocks, the alphabet of your life. Decide to emphasize the things that we all share. Decide that sharing is important. Provide common building blocks. And then be okay with the fact that people are going to implement them differently. Celebrate differences in implementation. Those are the three steps that will make you much more fun to be around. Those are the three steps that will make life better for you. Those are the three steps that will remind you who you are. Because who you are right now, I don't know what you're going through, but everybody is. Who you are is up to it, up to the challenge. More than that, who you are is beautiful and revolutionary. Who you are is wise and strong enough because God's got this and God's got you. It is time to be free because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word, I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is there's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this. Tweet it. Like it on Facebook. Find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 
3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.